This is Lucky Words. I'm Jeff Windsor. Today I'm in Provo, Utah, in my home studio, looking out the window at Squaw Peak, brushed with snow on a beautiful day with bluebird skies. Doesn't get any more beautiful than this. Today's poem is a sonnet by John Milton. When I consider how my light is spent, ere half my days in this dark world and wide, and that one talent, which is death to hide, lodged with me useless, though my soul more bent to serve therewith my maker, and present my true account, lest he returning chide, doth God exact day labor, light denied, I fondly ask? But patience, to prevent that murmur, soon replies, God doth not need either man's work or his own gifts, who best bear his mild yoke, they serve him best. His state is kingly. Thousands at his bidding speed and post or land and ocean without rest. They also serve, who only stand and wait. This poem makes a lot more sense if you know a little bit about Milton's history. Here's the critical facts. He grew up privileged and received the best education that's possible for a man to receive at the time. He read everything. He felt and thought, and his great mind just worked until he reached his own conclusions. He was deeply religious. He worked for the Commonwealth government during that uncomfortable period when they chopped off Charles I's head and before Charles II decided to sail back from France. All the wacky religious zealots who ran England, with about as much compassion as the Taliban ran ran Afghanistan, Milton was one of those. You know, no kites, no plays, no sports, no fun. Go to church. The state is the church. Worship or die. Still no kites. It was that kind of government. I honestly don't know if Cromwell ever actually passed any anti-kite legislation, but you get the point. Milton had already established himself as a poet of high quality. His poem, Lycidas, uh, which he wrote as a young man, was already regarded Uh, and showed off his world-class poetic chops. So here he is working away as a state-sponsored religious zealot, translating documents for the chumps who couldn't speak good enough Latin themselves. And he works hard. He works so hard that eventually he loses his eyesight. Kind of bad planning. The blindness starts with just his eyes getting worse, but eventually it leaves him entirely sightless. So he's a blind poet who's in the middle of his masterpiece, Paradise Lost. It's a poem that he thinks will effect the salvation of other people. And he's right. If you read Paradise Lost, it will change the way you think about God and about Satan and about man's relationship with God and Satan. He might not entirely achieve his goal of justifying the ways of God to man but he does create a kind of alternative history that will make you question many of your previous assumptions. You might not fully agree with him, but you'll be affected by him. But, and I can only speculate on this, but I think it's probably pretty difficult to write when you're blind. Milton had to compose entirely in his head and then dictate long passages to a scribe. He couldn't write down drafts and worry over them a word at a time. He was at the mercy of others to read back what he'd written days or weeks before. I imagine he worried that he was hoping to write the greatest epic in the history of the English language and instead was writing disorganized, incomprehensible drivel. 
So here he is. He's worried about his work. How is his handicap affecting it? Has he lost his ability to do the only thing he's ever been good at because of something as superficial as his eyes? It's like a race car driver who can't drive anymore because of uh, an inner ear issue. He's got the same reflexes, the same muscle memory, but that teeny little problem in his ear is here and he can't drive anymore. That would be soul crushing. That's what Milton is feeling. So when the poem asks, when I consider how my light is spent there half my days in this dark world and wide, that's his question to God. He says, I'm still young, I have my full mental capacity, but my vision, my light, is gone and it's not coming back. And that one talent which is death to hide, lodged with me useless, is a reference to the parable of the talents in the Bible, where the master gives money or talents to three servants and tells them to use it wisely. One gets a large sum, which he does invest wisely and makes a bundle. The rich get richer. The second gets a more modest amount, which he also invests, and he breaks even. You know, it's not like a loss, and he gives it a try. But the third, the third guy who gets the money, he is the pitiful one. He receives the least, and fearing the consequences of failure, he just hides it away. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, nothing lost. Then the master shows up, demands a reckoning. They each report. And the first two get big rewards. The point was to take a risk, to put it out there, try to drum up something positive. He's actually not interested in results as much as he is effort. That will be important later in the poem, too. But the third servant, who didn't lose his talent but also refused to invest it, that guy gets punished. Hence Milton's which is death to hide. And that's the rough part for Milton. He knows that's the case. He knows he's supposed to put his talents into circulation, and he wants to do it. He wants to do it badly, but he's blind. It isn't by choice that he's not doing anymore. His talent has turned to lead. It's lodged in me, lodged in him, useless. That scares him. He continues, Though my soul more bent to serve therewith my maker and present my true account, lest he returning chide, He's saying he wants to do this. He wants to invest his talent. He wants to write this great poem that he has begun. He wants to do it to serve God and present his true account and not be scolded. Doth God exact day labor light denied? I fondly ask. He's questioning, is God going to punish me for something I didn't do myself? But patience... To prevent that murmur, soon replies. So he gets an answer, not from God, but from the virtue, capital P, patience. I think that's telling that it is the personified patience, basically saying, whoa, boy. And here is how patience replies. God doth not need either man's work or his own gifts. Who best bear his mild yoke, they serve him best. His state is kingly. A reference there to Jesus' statement in the book of Matthew, when he tells his disciples that uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Patience continues, thousands at his bidding post or land and ocean without rest. 
stating that where God commands, people show up and they do the work. They post, they speed, they run, or land an ocean without rest. God doesn't need people. People need God is the implication there. And finally, they also serve who only stand and wait. I'll let you draw your own conclusions on that last line. Let me read the whole poem for you one more time. When I consider how my light is spent ere half my days in this dark world and wide, and that one talent which is death to hide, lodged with me useless, though my soul more bent to serve therewith my maker and present my true account, lest he returning chide. Doth God exact day labor light denied, I fondly ask? But patience, to prevent that murmur soon replies, God doth not need either man's work or his own gifts. Who best bear his mild yoke, they serve him best. His state is kingly. Thousands at his bidding, speed and post, or land and ocean without rest. They also serve who only stand and wait.'"